Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time it is where you are, we are thankful you are tuning in. On our next episode of Society Rewired, we have artist and business owner Jillian Gunlicks on the show. Jillian joins us to discuss the Wild Woman Experience, the Kaylin Project, as well as talk about trauma and trauma recovery. Make sure to tune in. If you are interested in hearing more and staying up to date on Society Rewired, do us a favor and make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever streaming platform you prefer. It gets us in front of more listeners, which allows us to get new guests on the show. Also, check us out on all social media platforms using the handle at Society Rewired. We greatly appreciate your support. Uh, before diving in, though, we want to make sure to thank our sponsors. Rayfeld's Art and Framing, located in downtown Sioux Falls. One of the premier art galleries in the Midwest, make sure to stop in and check out their new location on Phillips near the falls or online at rayfeldsonline.com. Laura Hayes Communication is your first choice if you're looking for professional development. With live online workshops, speaking engagements, and consulting, you can't go wrong. Check out the website at laurahayes.com. Audio-visual integrations has all your latest technologies to meet your commercial audio-video needs. Check them out online at foss-avi.com. Rocky Hayes Design, if you're looking for graphic design, website development, or business development resources, make sure to give them a call or check them out online at rockyhayes.com. And of course, last but not least, our affiliate organization, Survivors Joining for Hope, SJ4H, is here to help families financially after they have lost a loved one by suicide. They help cover unexpected expenses such as funeral costs, burial fees, and grief counseling. Check them out online at sj4h.org or online at all social media platforms. Now, let's get rolling with Society Rewired. Welcome to Society Rewired. I am your host, Brad Hurst. We are the show that talks open and honestly about mental wellness through real discussions with real individuals. With me, the man that needs no introduction, people. The loving, the abstract, the handsome, Jerry Cook. Got handsome in there today. You did. You got handsome in there today. Abstract, too. I like that. I know. I was thinking about your art, your your artwork that you do, and I was like, what would be a good way to... I was like, it's kind of abstract. (laughs) How else do I describe it through my voice so and i didn't do my homework i didn't come up with a cool intro for you i know that's fine it's not it's not needed the bearded beautiful one we used maybe beard that's in like it. five episodes at this I point know. so well, we can't go down the beard road it's plus a little, little overused but it, it works it works yeah and with us there's obviously three people here so jillian gunlicks is with us today welcome hi welcome thank you how are you good good you're involved in quite a few different things we got you know, Jillian Artistry, the Wild Woman Experience, the Kaylin Project. So you're kind of busy, going with a lot of things going on. So thanks thank for joining you. us today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank it's you. Great to have you here. So we're gonna talk a lot about different things today. So I think it's gonna be a, a pretty unique and interesting episode, and and glad to kind of have you here. So we're gonna go down, I guess, around a little bit, talk about a little bit of trauma, and kind mm-hmm. of open up those conversations a little bit, and open up those kind of doors to kind of create that conversation. Once you kind of, I guess. Do you mind giving us kind of a little bit of background on, on what, what you kind of want to talk about as far as trauma goes and, and specifics around what you kind of want to dive into? Yeah, well, for me, um, there's been a lot of different things I've experienced in my life. I think like most of us, there's a lot of hardships. But um, one of my major experiences was uh, dealing with rape and trying to figure out how to 
come out from that, I guess, and heal from that. So I think it's really important to talk about the different ways of healing and um, what might help other people. Yeah, absolutely. It's about kind of opening up the conversation, mm-hmm. I think, and finding that relatability. So I guess, do you mind me asking, I guess, kind of, you know, how long has it been? How, what kind of, what, what, what was, I guess, obviously not that experience isn't the right word, but, you know, I guess, what does your journey through kind of that, that trauma and recovery look like? Yeah, um, gosh, I'm not the kind of person that remembers dates. Even the traumatic ones are like the special ones, I guess. Um, so when people ask me that, it's, I don't know if that's weird or not, but I, it was about 13 years ago. I don't have like, it was this day and this year. Um, I don't know, my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was about 13 years ago. I was in California and I had moved there to go to school and kind of, it was you know, just living a a different life, I guess. And, um, after that happens and I, I kind of do call it an experience. I know you said it wasn't the right word, but it's an experience you go through in your life. And I guess at this point, 13 years later, I just think it, it was an experience I went through. And, um, now I can look at it like that and I can look at it as just something that happened. And obviously there's things and times that, stuff comes up that um it affects me in my life mm-hmm. today right but um for the most part I've done a lot of healing through that and I think what started my healing journey with that was finding people that could relate to what I was going through I know when I left I actually left California after that happened because okay. I I just couldn't heal there yep. I had to be I had to find like I had to be around my friends and family and kind of in a different space um to heal. And I remember coming back to Sioux Falls and thinking, I didn't choose this. Like this happened to me. Mm -hmm. Somebody did this to me. And I remember sitting there thinking, I didn't choose this. And that was so hard for me because, you know, when you're, gosh, I don't know how old it was, like 25. I don't want to do the math (laughs) (laughs) Um, when it happened. But, you know, it's like you're this adult now and you're choosing things for your life. But this was something that happened to me and I didn't choose it. And that was really hard to wrap my brain around. to carry it forever. Yeah, and how to go go forward with it and how to to live with that. Right. Was was part of it too? Sort of. I mean, obviously, you have the event and the trauma of that, but also the guilt and the shame after that. Because I think, you know, in in people that I've talked to in the past that have sexual trauma in their in their history, that's one of the big things that they bring up is this guilt and shame thing. Because we we look down upon those that have had an experience. Um, and I don't know was that part of what you had to overcome oh yeah 100 percent. and I was thinking that even on the way here um one of the hardest and I'm so lucky or I don't know grateful for my strength and my self-worth because I know a lot of women don't have that and they do feel the guilt and the shame because there's a lot of people especially in in my experience I even had people close to me tell me that they wouldn't consider what I experienced rape because I had been drinking, and I had invite the per- I invited the person into my house. I think that's a very so. I, you actually just hit on something that I was thinking about as you were saying that I was going to talk about alcohol being involved. But so I have a I have a serious challenge with that as well. It's it's. I mean, I don't. I have three boys, but as I'm kind of looking at this, I mean, I have some family members. I have some people that I know that have gone through and experienced something similar, and 
every time someone says that alcohol is involved, it doesn't, they don't count it as rape. It just drives me mm. up a yeah. wall. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, no, it doesn't like, <laughs> there's a yes and no question mm-hmm. that needs to be right. had. And if it, regardless of, of what the answer is, it's black and white at that point. Right. And if, and exactly. if the answer was no, it's rape. I mean, in my opinion, that's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. I, that part just irks me. It's so corner. sad. And as being a, a, a victim of that, I guess. And having people tell me that it's, and you're so like broken and it's hard anyways. And then you have people tell you that and you're, you, right. it, you feel ashamed and you feel kind of guilty cause it's, mm-hmm. but luckily like I was like, no, that's, right. that's not the truth. That's no. not what happened. So, but you know, when you do have the alcohol involved and in my case, I believe I was drugged. Mm-hmm. I did go to the hospital the next day, but they didn't do any tests. They didn't do, it was, it was kind of weird in California. The, the police officer was just like, well, this is what happens here. Sure. Kind of, you know, so they didn't do any tests at all. Um, or even try to figure out who it was that did it. But I am pretty sure I was drugged. Um, but that's the whole nother thing too. Cause I kind of came through a little bit and they're so at that point you're confused a mm-hmm. little bit. You kind of are wondering what actually happened, how that happened. Right. So you go through this, like, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and what happened and what reality is. And it's, it's really hard. And then you have people telling you like, Oh, that's not right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just for the officer to say, this is what happens here. I feel like it. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like sad. Are you kidding me? Like that shouldn't even be. A he response. says, yeah, he was like, it's a game, you know, the guys play and, you know, and it's, it, he kind of just dismissed it. Right. Yeah. No, it's well, terrible. And I think for people that don't have the strength that you did, that's, that's a shutdown moment in life. I mean, right. not only mm-hmm. the event and the trauma of it, but then you have the police responding in that way. You have friends or family or whoever responding in a negative way. Right. That, you know, if you don't have the power to power through that, that can mm-hmm. shut you down for good and cause real, real, real oh, problems. Absolutely. And it shuts on. it shuts down the healing because then you don't you don't right. search for the healing you need because you think that you're it's not validated. Right. You know that you shouldn't need it because that isn't what it was, or you know, and you're just supposed to suck it up and kind of get through it. Right. So it shuts down the, the even the start of the healing process when people aren't validating yeah. your feelings. Well, and I think can, one of the things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'd say it impacts your network. It impacts mm-hmm. you much more than just personally. I mean it. It continues to grow out. It's almost like an like an aftershock where it's like you have the initial, and then you start trying to share with people, find that support. You don't find it, and it keeps carrying out and out and further right. and further, and mm-hmm. it just creates a bigger problem for you, a bigger challenge, mm-hmm. bigger struggle. Yeah. And I think one of the things, too, like recovering from trauma, there's always this, or at least in my experience, there's sort of this impression upon people or impression that people put upon you like, oh, you know, Jillian, that happened 13 years ago, so you should have at year one been quote-unquote, mm-hmm. over that, or Brad, your brother's death, you the know, all this lines. stuff. Yeah, there's this timeline, and, and I think the timeline is significant in the fact of, like, you don't just get over things. You work through them mm-hmm. continuously right. in life, which isn't a negative thing. I mean, you can always grow, and, and so part of that, too, is, like, you've done some really cool things, not only for yourself, but for others who have maybe, whether it's, you know, similar things or different things, but part of your journey um what I've seen from the outside is not only healing yourself, but how do you turn around and heal others? Mm-hmm. You know, because we were talking about how each person reacts to trauma and what their thing is to get through it. Uh, you know, so 
Um, I know Brad's, one of Brad's is to help other people, mm-hmm. you know, because we've talked about counseling stuff before, not that it's bad, but it didn't really resonate with you. So nope. this, this, like what we're doing right now is this huge healing force for him. So mm-hmm. maybe talk about some of those things too. Yeah, I, I definitely love the fact that there is, there are so many ways for people to, to look at healing and to experience healing. And I've kind of wanted to get that out there more. And so there's been a couple of things. So a couple of years ago, I did the Kalen project since I'm an artist, I wanted to bring people together, talk about their experiences, their traumas, things that they've struggled with in their life and how they were able to get through those or what helped them in those moments. Um, so what we did is we took 22 different people, whether it was um, alcoholism or death or sexual assault or, um, I don't know, like domestic abuse, 22 different stories of people experiencing different things and then how, what they did and what helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, just trying to reach different people that could relate because that's yep. the thing is like, you want to talk to somebody that knows what you've been through. And like that is, that was huge for me because I didn't feel like any of my family or friends could relate to me because they had never experienced what I experienced. So it's like, how do you talk to somebody who has absolutely no idea what you've been through? And so with this project, I wanted to give like so many different areas so people could hopefully listen to their story and find some connection. Yep. And possibly find a way to heal. No, absolutely. We talk about. Like, I mean, I was impacted by suicide loss, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's about. It's hard for people to relate, and it's the same situation where it's, it's you know, it's hard to understand kind of what people have gone through. Honestly, you just kind of at that point, if you've never been through it, it's almost best just to listen mm-hmm. and let that person kind of vent to you, because the minute you start giving feedback and and advice, yeah. it's it's hard yeah. to take it serious, and sometimes it's not the best advice. And if you don't understand what they've gone through, you could be be giving advice that could push you in a worse direction mm-hmm. so it's it's i think sharing the stories and getting out there and, and making this more of a transparent conversation i think is extremely important so it's i think it's very cool that you did that yeah for sure so, i think it's important too so it's it's it, the kaylin project i guess could, what did it look like i guess was it a was it just artwork was it audio was it video i guess how, how did what did it what did that project look like i guess yeah so it was uh, visual and audio because i thought it was really important for people to hear that person hear their voice. I wanted people not just to read it on a piece of paper. Yeah. I wanted them to hear the voice. Yep. So I did um, I did a portrait or what we did was we had a photographer work with us too, but I did a black and white sketch or we had a black and white photo of the person. And then um, we had uh, like an audio version, I guess. So, so people could look at their portrait and then listen to their story. which was huge. And one thing we added to it too, which I thought was really important because music is really important to me. And when I'm going through things, usually there's like a song I'll listen to over and over again or certain things that just really speak to me. So we had them put a song in there as well that really helped them or made them think of that time that kind of got them through that time too. So that's another avenue is music, you know, so... I was just, I was at the Compass Center's gala a couple of weeks mm. ago, and I, one piece I noticed was, is so in their testimonial video, you never saw the face of the person that was giving the testimonial video, and it's interesting to just talk about audio and visual presentation. It's, 
and I kind of, I don't know the answer to this, but I just noticed that I never saw the person that was speaking. I never got to see their face. So I never got to see who they were. And it sounded like an elderly lady. I mean, mm-hmm. not just, I mean, 60s and 70s, potentially, maybe even older. And, and for me, that was, I wish I could have seen her face. I wish I could have seen yeah. who that person was. And not just because I wanted to pinpoint who it was, just more so we could see that, you know, this when I heard her, her voice, I knew she was older. I was like, this is, this is a lifelong mm-hmm. experience. It's something that impacted her up to this point in age. I just, I just thought it'd be good for everyone to see her face. I think that might've been some shame and some guilt still, maybe some embarrassment for her family potentially coming out and sharing this story because it's impacted her for so long. Yeah. And so that was, that was the one piece. And the, the Compass Center does some great things and their testimonial video was, was beautiful. It's not the right word, but impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one piece I wish I could have seen was just the individual, just so we could relate and just understand that perspective a little bit further. So I think it's very interesting that you're doing that with the Kalen Project. So. Yeah, it is it is important for me, I think, because it's that connection. Yep. You know, it's that, that real connection, putting that, knowing that person and their story is like right in front of you and, yeah. and you can connect with that and hopefully find something to help you move forward if you're struggling with something similar. Yeah. And, it, and I think it kind of dives into both ends of, you know, two ends of what you do. Like mm-hmm. professionally, you're an amazing artist. And then also with the trauma, you turn around and try to help people that mm-hmm. way. So that's it's kind of a neat, uh, you know, combining both of those skill sets yeah. together, so to speak. I guess, yeah, I do that with the Wild Woman experience too. So a, a group of uh, my soul sisters and I have gotten together and created an experience for women and it's not necessarily to focus on healing it's just to really empower women to like step into them their own and it has become such a healing place for people Mm -hmm. so we do a a day-long experience with all of us you know kind of exploring different things with them and introducing different healing things with them and at the end of the day we do a photo shoot so we'll do I, I'm a makeup artist as well as part of my artistry so I'll do makeup um, on these women and then we'll get them dressed and kind of them step into their their new self their new wild woman sure. and so that is another way of um, kind of combining my my art and my healing and helping helping others and it's just a really cool experience as well that is pretty cool that's mm-hmm. so I guess it's like the end image is just kind of just a representation of of everything they are so if someone wanted to go and look at the wild woman experience i guess where would they go what's the best way for them to kind of check that out that one's a little trickier because we're kind of very new in this and we're start this year we're going to build a website but they can get a hold of me and i can give them all the information yeah one question i have i guess kind of going back to you were in california we talk about the support structure and the kind of that network you need for for support. I guess did you have any family out there? Or is that is that what kind of brought? Did you come back for it to find that network or what? You know, kind of what what did that look like? Yeah, there was. I moved out to California not knowing anybody, so I was okay. alone. Yeah, so I did not have the network. I had a couple close friends, um, and one of my best friends that I met out there. I'm still, yeah, she's still my best friend. So I had her, um, but that was about it. And I think that it was, I, I literally left like two weeks later. I just packed everything up and went home Jeez. because I was like, I knew I needed my family and my, my network. But then it was interesting when I got home because I was like, oh shit, they don't, they don't know, like they can't help me because right. they have no idea, you know? So I kind of, obviously they're supportive and they're um, loving and, you know, I could go to them if I needed something and, mm-hmm. but 
I, it was a kind of reality shock that, yeah, I needed to find somebody who could understand what I was going through, which was tricky. I did go to the Compass Center for that, and I found a support group um, with other women that experienced similar things or, you know, and and that helped a lot. That helped a lot. It's pretty neat. So it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, South Dakota is, I mean, we kind of have a different mindset. I think when you look at California and look at, I mean, you could look at the political system right now. We have a different mindset. (laughs) (laughs) Drastically, yeah. A whole different world. Um, Not there's anything wrong with that, but it's, but I can see, I guess it's, is there a part of you that thinks staying there could have helped heal you or what, like, do you think coming back to South Dakota was what was best for you? I guess, what are you, like, looking back now, it's been, you know, 13 years. Yeah. What's what's kind of that perspective look like now? Yeah, I definitely think coming back was was the way to go. Um, it's, it is such a different world out there, and not knowing anybody and not, I guess, not knowing where to turn. You know, that was just, yeah. it was a lot. And I was young, you know, sure. I was mid-20s, and... It was just a whole different world. So definitely coming back and having the support with of my family, and then finding the support group. It was right. it was the right way to do it. But for me, I mean, like I said, there's so many different ways for people to heal or to right. like their journey. And I think that's what is huge is is to allow people to find their way of healing and not. I, th- I think there's a lot of people that are like, well, you should do it this way or this is what helped me. So this is how you should do it, you know? And they're so right. kind of confusing people sometimes too, where it's, sure. there's not one way to heal or to go through things and, and Absolutely. find your way out of things. Like they, everybody has to do it for themselves yeah. and you have to support them through that. So yeah, everyone's grief and trauma are, yeah. are different. There's no right. wrong or right way to grieve, to go through your trauma, to, find that support and that recovery that you need. And it's, it's, that's a big challenge that we have even in any form of mental health. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, you know, my brother passed away. Like you said, counseling didn't work, support groups didn't work. Um, and, and finally it was just kind of finding my own network. I mean, I met you at the helpline and, and was able to find people that I could relate to and understood what I went through. And, and suddenly helping people was what helped me get out of that kind of that dark world that I was in at that mm-hmm. time. And, and, and same thing if you go into any other kind of world, it's just, it's, and they, expectations too where you see people that get over their grief you know maybe in a year and then people are judging them for getting over it so quickly yeah or, right or right. they get you know, maybe it takes 10 15 years now you're judging them because it's taking them too long mm-hmm. but you know what it's 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 all perspective i mean i in my own life i when it comes to suicide loss i think parents suffer the most trauma um mm-hmm. if it's a child i mean i just it's mm-hmm. that grief is never going to go away so having any expectations around time is just unrealistic mm-hmm. and just drives me nuts when people are like, oh, they're not grieving properly or they're, they're taking too long or they're going too quick. And it's yeah. just like, you know what? There is You're not no in their right shoes. way. Yeah. yeah. There is no right or wrong way here. Mm-hmm. So, Well, there's different stages too. I think like even in your experience, Julian, there's probably like that initial, you know, major impact because that's mm-hmm. a huge life-changing experience. And then now, 13 years later, not to take away from the trauma, but it's probably a lot different. Mm-hmm. Your, you know, what you do, how you feel about it what you're doing to heal um and maybe you know in those different stages you know do you feel that you're out of the the main stage of the the main trauma so to speak Mm -hmm. and on to sort of a healing journey because like what i see you do is turning around and helping a lot of other people which is super powerful Mm -hmm. you know and and what what is that sort of maybe you know what are the things that you do 
sort of continuously to make sure that you're, I don't want to use the word on the right path or on the right track, but mm-hmm. you know, that recovery, like we said, it, it, it's always there. So what, what is it that keeps you going down the right, right yeah, path, I guess? That's a good, good point. And something I thought about earlier too, was the different stages and different things that, that help you because the first for me was finding my support group or like people that could relate because, and just to wrap my mind around what was going on. But each stage or like the further it gets away from it, there, there are different things that come up, you know, and there are different things that I don't even realize are because of what had happened sometimes. And then like I get triggered or there's things that come up in different areas of my life. So it does continue to stay with you. And there are things I'm, especially, you know, with, with grief too, like there's always going to be things that will trigger, trigger you or remind you. Um, so you have to continue the healing process throughout your life, I think. And for me, I continue to explore that. I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I continue searching for what resonates with me, um, different healing modalities, you know, like whether it's meditation and kind of the season you're in too. Like sometimes I will just kind of sit with myself a lot and meditation and reflect. And, but then there's times where I like crave that connection with people and having that deep conversation with people that could relate to what, I'm talking about or will go there with me, you know? So it's like, it just depends, but you just got to keep searching and you got to keep figuring out what it is that you need and be gentle with yourself and be okay with knowing that it's going to look different at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to, yeah, just figure it out. It's hard. <laughs> and every, every stage yeah. is different and, yeah, and like I think Jerry, you always tell me like give yourself grace, you know, because it's like you don't, you don't. It's new, like, and if you get triggered or if there's something you're going through, that's like a new dimension of that trauma that you're trying to navigate, and right. that's not easy. So if you just continue to search and try, and you know, just do the best you can. That's all you can do. It's cool. Yeah. Kind of asking more of a a personal, so your mom, Mm -hmm. you have a daughter? Yes, I have a daughter who's 11. So, I mean, you've gone through this trauma, you've experienced this, your daughter's 11. How do you think that's impacted you as a parent, I guess? Because at this point, there's got to be a lot of moms out there, Mm -hmm. a lot of, I mean, even maybe dads that have maybe experienced something similar. And I guess I'd be kind of curious, you know, now being a parent and, and knowing that you're, I mean, you're raising this child to be the best they can be. How's that impacted your parenting, I guess? Can you feel like there's points oh. where it's like, man, like maybe this is kind of... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I have three boys and there's times where I'm like, I can feel like my own issues are blocking mm. me from allowing them to do things. It's kind of like I got to step back and, and make you know, a decision that's what's take myself out of the picture yeah. and what's best for them. And it's just, it's difficult. And I can imagine like this would be a very heavy, heavy mm-hmm. topic when it comes to parenting. It is. It's interesting though. I got huge goosebumps when you were talking about that because actually becoming a mother and having a daughter helped my healing a lot. Mm -hmm. So I, I really truly believe like that there's a lot of ancestral things that are passed down generation to generation. And there was a lot of um, sexual trauma in my ancestral line. And it was interesting. And I was seeing a counselor because I got pregnant not long after this had happened. And I was seeing a counselor at the time and she even said, she's like, oh my gosh, as soon as you got pregnant, you were completely like 
different person in this healing journey. It was like, it changed me. And I, when I got pregnant, I, and found out I was having a daughter, I feel like I experienced that. So she didn't have to sure. like, that's what resonated with me. And I thought I went through that so I could teach her and heal that wound in our ancestral line and kind of just know what I know and learn. And so she didn't have to go through all of that. So she didn't have to learn that. And I could like help her navigate life and how to maybe, I don't know. It was just, it was a weird, a weird healing moment for me. But now as having an 11 year old, almost 12 year old and like still doing my own healing with the sexual trauma um, it is, it's, it's interesting. It is, very, but I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of thinking about what is the best way to approach that with her. And I'm super honest with a lot of things. I don't think that there's, I haven't told her what had happened to me because right. I just don't feel like that's the right time, but, no. um, but I will, and I will be open and honest with her about that eventually when I feel like it's the right time. But I do think that me going through that is going to, I guess, help her, I don't know, like not have to experience that for herself to know what he, that healing is like. I don't know if that makes sure. sense. I but. think you can empower her with some tools that maybe that, yeah. you know, and, and not in a bad way, but like maybe you didn't have or didn't experience. And since you've got that experience, you can make sure that she's a little more aware of things too mm-hmm. and careful. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, that doesn't take away from what happened to you, but I'm just saying like anytime you can impart your wisdom on mm-hmm. someone that'll, that'll help her out tremendously. Yeah. Which is really good. Really yeah. There good. was a huge shift for sure when I became a mom, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Cause yeah, she's, she's 12 and there's, a lot coming. Yep. <laughs> there is. Oh. It's interesting to see that because so my, when my wife, when she had our first son, I mean, she she had some own personal trauma as well that she was going through, and she always says that, that becoming a mother mm. was probably the best thing that could have happened for her, uh, for her healing process mm-hmm. and her kind of self-awareness. And, yeah. And I think it, you know, it, it almost forced her to kind of just address the challenges that she was facing a little more aggressively because she knew she was going to have this new responsibility. Yeah. And I think that's, it's very interesting that you say that that almost kind of just took you down a different path. Yeah. I mean, obviously being a parent and being a new parent is overwhelming in general, but (laughs) but when you're dealing with trauma and, and, and grief and and challenges personally, it can be, it's interesting Mm -hmm. that that I keep, it's just something that keeps, I keep hearing over and over from people that becoming a parent, not that if you're experiencing trauma, you should go have a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Right. right. But, but it definitely is, is interesting to hear that the taking on that kind of new responsibility has helped so many people in in a positive way. Um, Because it can be spun a different way as well, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of times too, becoming a parent, like, it's kind of sad though, but like you, you put your child ahead of you, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you want more for your child. So I think for me too, it was like, what can I do to be the best person I can be for my child? Because that's what I want for them. So it kind of gives you permission to maybe even be a little bit more like selfish because you're like doing it for your child. So it's, it is, it's an interesting outlook. Mm -hmm. Selfishly sacrificing. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right? It is good, though. You know, yeah. that purpose, we've talked about that multiple times. Like, when you get a big purpose in life, if you have purpose in life, it usually brings you down a different mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's that's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. 
love to hear that bad things turn into good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You can definitely go the other way. So it's, mm-hmm. it's anytime you can shift into some good is, is I think can be healing for everybody. So I guess, I mean, so you're an artist and that's kind of your job. Yes. So, and obviously you found that support group. What else? Cause Helen, you mentioned, mentioned meditation. We've heard that on some prior conversations as well. Yeah. I guess what really, I guess, helped you kind of early on, maybe in the middle and, and is kind of helping you now with your kind of recovery or mm-hmm. your, your, uh, your own self care. Yeah. Well, I'm a really spiritual person. So I think that that spiritual journey for me has been huge and just really, um, diving into my spiritual side and what, whatever that is for anyone, whether it's religious, um, church going or, um, mine, like with the meditation and then there's been yoga and then, um, you know, the, I mean, just exploring a lot. Of, I don't want to go into all, all the things that I've explored as far as um, oh, healing. But yeah, just the spiritual side of things for me has been mm-hmm. has been really important in finding that. Um, and, you know, kind of the meaning behind the different things we go through. Like if you find that kind of meaning in a lot of the spiritual, religious backgrounds, you know, you can relate to some things. If it resonates with you, then then you know go down that road but uh that's been that's been huge for me is that spiritual side and like i said before listening to a lot of podcasts reading a lot of books yep. um that's helped a ton there's one of the beautiful things about podcasts you can, right? you can hear other people's <laughs> issues so yeah right. i learned that's what we're here to do learn from other so. people for sure <laughs> and you have a great group around you too i mean even like the wild woman experience yes. i mean would you consider that part of your healing process or your self-care now yeah absolutely finding people that that you can talk to and have those conversations with openly that kind of yeah. know you really well and that you feel like support you unconditionally like that group of people I'm I'm so lucky to have such a great group of people because like I said, there's times where I just need that connection, that deeper yeah. connection. Um, and to have people to reach out to during those times is huge, but it is, it's, it's kind of weird for me. Like I go through, like at some points I need solitude and I need to go within, yeah. you know, and then there's some times where I'm like, I really need to talk it out with somebody and have those mm-hmm. conversations and get a different perspective. And then there's times where, um, maybe I need to like dance or listen to a music or, you know, so it, sure. it's just totally different yeah. at different times or what you're going through. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, cause as you go through life, I mean, you're gonna spend time alone. You're gonna spend right. time mm-hmm. in groups. You're gonna spend time dancing. Yeah. Despite <laughs> my lack of cord, my wife will tell you I hate dancing. So <laughs> we have a wedding coming up. I'm not real thrilled about that. Might be, that might be a video we need oh, to make. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. I'm not a dancer either. No. So well, that even is, just dancing like traumatic. by yourself, you yep. don't have to dance at a wedding. Like I'm right. not a wedding dancer <laughs> kind of person, but in your room by yourself, yep. you know, just to get that energy moving and get it kind of like out of you yep. like that that's a good thing so yeah we won't set up any hidden cameras or thank anything. you i would appreciate <laughs> you won't but i will yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. the video guy it. over here might yeah uh, that's awesome yeah it's but i mean even as as you look at grief like because i think the biggest thing is with you know when you go back to suicide loss a little bit I have to keep going back there but um you know month three is usually when things start to get really hard because you are alone that support starts to leave it starts mm-hmm. to dissipate uh, and you're more by yourself. So it's a good time to spend time by yourself and address kind of those those personal challenges that you have. And even talking out as a group, like 
it's hard to find people that can relate. So you have to continue to talk, and it's it's almost like a something you have to keep practicing, right. or you can regress a little mm-hmm. bit. I can see that yeah. being a major challenge. So, I and not that this is something you ever see coming, I guess, when it, it just kind of happened. I, what did the early, I guess, you know, what did that evening kind of, I guess, look like? Not to go back too deep here, but mm-hmm. it, it's, I mean, you probably don't see it coming. It just kind of hits you unexpectedly, and then all of a sudden it's just like your world's changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, I guess, what what advice would you have as far as, as you know, where, like, how, how, how should you start that recovery process? I mean, where... Wow. Like I, that's a question. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know how to frame it up that properly, was, but that's No, I, I know mean, what you're asking, but that's that's a huge question because I think like we were saying it's um that kind of thing is so life-changing mm-hmm. that you I it's like how do you right. how do you take the next step? Cuz it, it's so overwhelming. It's such a a thing that you did not ask for, like with whether it's death or rape or those those huge traumas where you're not expecting it and yep. it's something that you didn't weren't prepared for, you didn't see coming. Um, so like just taking that next step, oh, that's hard because I know for me, I've never been one to suffer from like much anxiety or you know I had like a little depression before that. I had things that I've gone through, um, like I had an eating disorder as young, you know, growing up and, um, had some depression, but that wasn't, you know, that was kind of a gradual, just a, a something that I was dealing with. And this was such a slap in, in the face where it's like, Oh, now what, now what do right. I do? And I had to deal with this anxiety on top of um, just trying to figure out how to move forward. Um, so I think just Oh, baby steps and trying to be gentle with yourself and doing the things, just trying things because you never know what's going to help. Like I think you said, you know, like counseling didn't help and then you tried this and that didn't help. But it's like if you continue to try things, eventually you'll find something that might help a little bit. Right. And then continue to try other things because that might help a little bit. Mm -hmm. So just keep on taking those steps forward. Keep on searching for what works for you, I think is... Because you never know. Yeah. Like, nobody can tell you this is what you have to do. Right. This is what you need to do next. There's no, There's no yeah. set guidelines. Yeah. There's no book that's, I mean, well, there are There's books. No There's a lot of books, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. There's a lot of books with different ideas. And I, I yeah. that's what I did right away, actually, in California before I went home. I went to the store and I got, like, five different books. Because hmm. that's, for me, like, sure. books have always been what I would turn to. And one of them was... Um, I never called it rape. Hmm. That one helped me a lot because like you're in this point with what I went through with the drinking and inviting this person to my house. There's so many women in this book. It talks about they didn't call it rape because of that, because of these little guidelines. They weren't brutally attacked. It wasn't, you know, you're not beaten up. You weren't like just, you know, on the street attacked and raped. Like it was a different kind of thing. So like that book really helped me right away kind of and maybe that's what gave me the strength to say to these people like you're wrong this right. was rape and yeah. for me myself to know that that's what it was because I got that book I don't know you know like there's so many little things that you can do that will change your course but if you continue to search for healing eventually you'll find something that will click yeah. with you and I'm probably not the person that should say this but I'm not sure anyone can call it rape or the person 
mm-hmm. that experienced it. To be totally honest with you, right? I mean, I, I and I don't. I mean, I've never. I've just never been through this. But looking, I mean, you know, being a male and, and and being in the situation where I might have the other perspective, I've always, I mean, been very, very cautious and just very kind of when alcohol's involved, like yeah. it's just not even an option at that point, um, to an extent. And but again, at the end of the day, like I can't, like. I can't say whether or not, whether it right. was or wasn't. It's up to yeah. the individual that goes through it. I mean, right. it's, did they really, and it's got to be kind of a fine line, tough as kind of things move forward, but I would imagine like, maybe I'm wrong, but it's, it's that kind of, I mean, that's my perspective mm-hmm. on it, I guess. Yeah, it's hard though because there's certain people, you know, women that they wouldn't call it rape because of what society, society says. Pressures, and yeah. so right. there's sometimes where I'm like, I want them to be okay with saying that so they can sure. start their their healing journey and so they yeah. can accept it and cuz it's probably it's affecting them. If right. they're if they feel deep down that that's what, you know, but they can't verbally say that. Yeah. Or that they've been like pushed so far into the other direction where they're like, "Oh no, I wasn't raped." But it clearly was. It, it was, was just right. because society doesn't think so or support right. doesn't sure. support that with them right. like that's one thing where I'm like oh I wish sometimes we could maybe I mean it's so, it's such a hard it's such a hard thing because I think once There's a lot of gray mm-hmm, but once somebody can accept that that's what happened to them and then they can take the steps of healing and not make it wrong right you know like that that's just like I said even with me it's like it was an experience and now I have to to continue forward and do what I need to do to heal from that experience I think those are important things though too it's you know it's baby steps keep Mm -hmm. searching Mm -hmm. you know be open to other resources Mm -hmm. but if it's not working for you take different steps and then in your Mm -hmm. case turn around and teach that later too and that's so powerful really powerful and a lot of great a lot of great themes with other people that we've talked about or talked with as well so you know, it's it's very interesting just how all the themes. I mean, even I could see mentorship. Like if you have someone that I mean, just another way we we talk about mentorship right. a lot mm-hmm. of episodes where if you have someone that's experienced or can relate to you on a personal level and has maybe experienced something similar, like they could be a huge support structure for you. Yeah, finding your network is big. Um, we talked about that just on like four or five episodes recently. But, right, and it is interesting too because you talk about people not wanting to call it rape, and and I've ran into with survivors people that don't want to call it suicide. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, well, like drugs may have been involved, but but ultimately well, it was a, right. right. It was ultimately like they they were taking the drugs, they overdosed on the drugs, they know they were kind of what would maybe be within their limits, and they went too far, and and yeah, it, and that's kind of a level of gray for in in that realm where it's it's you know was it suicide or was it an overdose? Like, is it? It's hard to say sometimes. So, right. But it's 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 tough. So, yeah. I, 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 and I, as a male, I guess it's it's good to hear this side of the perspective mm-hmm. too. So I think it's it's nice to at least kind of be able to re- like relate and understand and kind of hear just kind of what the impact was and 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 just understand it a little bit better. Because as I'm raising boys, that's that's one of the challenges mm-hmm. you run into is is how do you create proper expectations and and make them gentlemen essentially and, and yeah, make sure that right. they're you know taking the right steps. I mean, it, it's it's and, and avoiding those situations and making sure everyone is in agreement. It's it is tough. And I think it's hard too. And I want to just point out something with that that I've even recently been thinking about with boys, like even with myself and um, dealing with the sexual trauma and just dealing with my own 
experiences with men mm-hmm. has been interesting. But like even for me and the like saying no or like that expectation in a a situation like that. So like even with raising young boys and that clear yes and no kind right. of thing, like it's not going to be clear sometimes. No. So right. you have to be very, very clear with boys and raising them saying like, even just like the energy of the person or if there's any sort, like it has to be more than just yes and no. Mm-hmm. It's not black and white. Right. Yeah. So like with alcohol, but even without alcohol, like just being very, very, considerate of the energy that's going on and what because I think it is hard for women and I've read a lot and listened a lot and even my own experience to disappoint you know they don't want to disappoint so it's like it's sometimes hard to really have that black and white answer so for boys it's like just teaching it's hard boys it is so hard we have a lot to learn for girls for women and like then for girls to be able to to voice that and to say yes or no and to be clear like there's so much right yeah there's so much just trauma in general and like in in that whole area Mm -hmm. for both men and women that it's like we just have to start raising them differently and ta- you know telling the, the girls that like you can say no and yep. it is okay and you don't have to be like this people pleaser um, and you know make everyone happy and for the boys sure. it's like it's more than a no yeah right you well, know right. kids are growing up a lot faster I think than they used to that's one of my biggest challenges with social media and just electronics and the level of communication they have and the media right. that they're taking in I think it's they're growing up much faster mm-hmm. than they maybe have in the past and any I mean when I went through high school, Facebook, you know, wasn't a thing. Yeah. It, it, even in college, it really wasn't a thing. So it's it's like I was able to kind of. And when I went to high school, the internet yeah. wasn't a when thing. When Jerry went to high school, <laughs> there was rotary phones. Uh, <laughs> no, we didn't have those. We, we had rotary tablets. Phone, yeah. TV no. wasn't in color yet. Um, <laughs> TV so. wasn't in color. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it, it with them growing up so quickly, it's it's you know mentally they may not have developed, but mm-hmm. they're they're seeing these pieces of their world that are more mm-hmm. advanced and sophisticated than what they should be interacting with. And I mean, Snapchat and, and texting and, yeah. and all the, inst- I mean, you, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses, I think, even mm-hmm. at that young age when it comes to societal pressures. So it's, it's a real challenge. I mean, right now my biggest struggle is teaching them not to throw matchbox. You have a little while. Yeah, to, I got a little ways yeah. to go. So it's, it's, but, but definitely I can see just right now, I mean, the world's evolving quite a bit mm-hmm. from just an overall, it is like impression on children and it's it really is i think i've been trying to more or less figure out ways to slow it down mm-hmm. necessarily i mean that's been my biggest struggle as a parent because it's it's even my you know nine-year-old eight-year-old nine-year-old almost his kind of like man at your age like i didn't have a tablet i wasn't playing video games mm-hmm. i wasn't chatting mm-hmm. texting like you no, you can't have a phone no you <laughs> but his friends have it and it's kind of like okay so if he doesn't have those things am i yeah, you kind of have to keep up with and, and allow change to happen right. too, but also like you have to just go with it. And but it's hard because yeah. you have to be open to the world changing. Exactly. You know, and this right. being the new norm, but in a healthy way. Yep. Which is hard. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any good tips there at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably. I'm not. Failing I just think <laughs> for any parent child like having open honest conversations about yeah. everything is yep. so big and like telling them why because yeah. a yeah. lot of times as parents were like 
because I said so, you know, or like, just listen to me, (laughs) but like to give them that background as to why is huge and to like, they're smart. Oh yeah. They're smart. So if you can explain to them, like, or even the situations you've been in, you know, and like things like, this is why I'm telling you this. And I've, I've realized that that is huge and they'll absorb it more. They'll listen to you more. They'll respect you more. Mm -hmm. So if you can have those open and honest conversations, tell them why, instead of just because I said so, or because, you know, not giving them a good reason. Um, I don't know. To me, that's huge. Whether it's with electronics or with like, (laughs) you know, like different things they might experience with like sexual stuff, you know, it's like the little things and the big things need a reason why. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think just, having as open a conversation as mm-hmm. possible. I mean, just that's what we're about. I mean, it's about having an open, honest conversation and with kids too. Talking about things. Yeah, <laughs> right, with your right, kids. Yeah. And, and it's tough. I mean, you really you want to shelter them as much as possible, but and you kind of yeah. question what you're doing is right as a parent and yeah. and so it's tough. But it we, tough. we covered a lot today. We did. Wow. <laughs> trying to come up with a call to action at this point is what <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. And yeah, what, what is our we well, always try to at the end like come six. up with a call to, <laughs> yeah. a call to action. No, I think or or is there anything else that we didn't cover for you that you think would be you know, for our listeners that would be important for them in their in their journeys as they're opening up trying to whether it's deal with different things or heal from trauma, anything that we didn't cover that you'd want to to point out to them. No, I think we did a really good job. I think that the only thing that I want to, my call to action is to getting other people, other people that have experienced things to kind of tell their story and allow, allow that to help heal others too. I think that's, that's perfect. That's a good, that's a great one. Yeah. Open up the dialogue and, yeah. and have that conversation so others can heal. I mean, that in, in healing me. yourself, yeah. you can heal others, I think. Mm-hmm. And, or even through healing others, you can heal yourself. I said that backwards. So I like it. No, I like it. That's a good I one. I do too. When I think the other thing is important to share maybe is, I mean, is the Compass Center. I mean, that's a resource mm-hmm. in our community that if you've gone through some form of sexual assault, it's they're, they're here to help you. And, and there's a lot of different resources out there. So don't be afraid to reach out. And we'll put your information, I guess, yes. as far as uh, the Wild Woman Project goes in, into our description. So if you want to check that out, we'll have some contact information and in just, there. But Yeah, personally, if anybody wants to reach out, I am, I'm always open to talk too. We'll put your cell phone number in there. Perfect. <laughs> text me. Yeah, text me. <laughs> Facebook. Oh, you're on Facebook, right? Yeah, yes, I'm on Facebook. Or I have a Jillian website Artistry. for Jillian Artistry. Yeah, okay. different ways to reach we'll me. We'll share cool. that in the description, too, so that way people can get access to it and reach out if they need to. So. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It was I an appreciate awesome it, conversation. So. Yeah. And I think just, again, check us out online at societyrewired.com. Um, all social media platforms at Society Rewired for the handle. And all your podcast streaming apps that are out there, check us out. So, and if you don't mind, give us a follow and keep in mind, just don't forget when the sun goes down, the stars come out. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.